Yes, God, we thank you, God, that you are our Savior, that you are our Lord, that we are seated in heavenly places. We thank you, God, that even in times where we don't feel like we can overcome, we thank you, God, that you are our champion, and because of that, we are more than conquerors. We thank you, God, for this time of worship. We pray, God, that you prepare our hearts as we get into the Word today. We give you all the glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, you may grab a seat as we get right into the message this, this day. We're kicking off a series, in fact, over the next three weeks, we're going to be studying on prayer. I'm calling this series, When We Pray. You know, in the year 2018, I remember it was the start of the year, and I woke up one morning and I was praying, and I felt God put it on my heart. I felt God say, Alvin, this year, if there's one thing you can do, I want you to get a hold of a spirit of prayer. I felt God say, you need to capture a spirit of prayer. And so I said, okay, what does that look like? It sounds exciting. It sounds inviting, but what does that look like? And then the next day, as I was again doing my journaling, as I do every morning, I begin to sense, I just had this sense of adventure. You know, I'm one of those guys that like to do things a bit extreme. And I thought, how crazy would it be if I were to jump on a plane and go to South Korea and spend some time in prayer? I know, it's crazy. And if you've ever been to South Korea, you know what I'm talking about. Most people there don't speak English and I don't speak Korean. And so a few months later, I found myself, I jumped on a plane. I went to this church called Yoda Full Gospel Church, which is the largest church uh, in the world. I think at one point at its peak had over a million people uh, that were part of the congregation. And during my time there, just through a few uh, unusual, incredible circumstances, I actually got to spend time with the senior pastor who at that point was, I believe, 82 years of age. And we had 20, I had 20 minutes with him and it was such, I still remember those 20 minutes together where we, he prayed for me. We were going to talk about church. We were going to talk about leadership. And when I walked away, from that meeting and from that experience, from those all-night prayer meetings that they had, when I walked away from it, I came back, literally back home to Brisbane, I believe in the spirit of prayer. In fact, for the next six weeks, every meeting we had was a prayer meeting, be it a staff meeting, be it a board meeting, be it a team meeting. Every single meeting that we had was a prayer meeting. And it was sort of like, you know, like any time we would gather, we would just begin to pray. And, and, and I believe that there's any time that we need to be praying, it is right here, it is right now. And when I begin to talk about praying, I find that a lot of people have not too many things to say. In fact, most times they've got not too great things to say. Not in the sense of people are negative about prayer, but more in the sense of whenever I talk about prayer, people have the sense of guilt. They start going, uh, I, I, I just don't know how to pray. Or they start going, well, I, and here's the thing, I think, even as I'm talking about prayer, the first thing, the first thought that you probably had in your mind was, I don't pray enough. In fact, if you ever find someone that says they pray a lot, man, where's the hospital? So, so most of us want to pray more. I think we all have a natural appetite to pray more or, uh, you know, we, we all, we might say, I don't know how to pray or I, I, there was a time when I was praying, but I'm not praying as much. And I find that sometimes most people struggle to pray, and I think it's because we misunderstand prayer. And what I want to do in, in the next few weeks is really create an appetite in us and create an invitation within our church to, to, to go to this deep place of prayer, which is not forced, which is not demanded, which is not expected, but it's really a deep invitation. In fact, I want to read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. I'm calling this 
my sandwich scripture. And I'll tell you why in a minute. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Rejoice always. That's, that's, that's verse 16. If you ever said, I want to memorize a scripture, that's one. Rejoice always. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. That's the next verse. Three words, pray without ceasing. 18, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I'm going to read it again. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning me. Sometimes people ask me the question, what is God's will? Well, a lot of times I don't know what God's will is for your life, but I do know that God's will for your life is for you to give thanks. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. So you've got the sandwich here, and the first, the first, the bread on top is rejoicing. God wants us to be rejoicing. The bread beneath is gratitude. So you've got rejoicing, you've got gratitude. But the meat in the middle, the roast beef in the middle is this scripture which says, pray without ceasing, which tells me that I really cannot maintain my joy unless I have a lifestyle of prayer, which tells me that I cannot really posture my heart in a place of gratitude unless I am a carrier of prayer. Now, when we read the word pray without ceasing, you know, we, we, sometimes we hear people talk about the scriptures like this and it almost sort of puts us in a place of guilt. Like it means I, I like, you know, you're breathing, but you got to be praying. You got drinking coffee, but you got to be praying. You're eating, but you got to be praying. Maybe you're like, Pastor, uh, when I'm driving, do I need to be praying? Well, can I say to you when you're driving, please don't close your eyes because Jesus will not take the wheel. So you can pray, but keep your eyes open. But, but sometimes we can read scriptures like this and we go, it is impossible for a human being to be praying all the time, 24 hours a day. I mean, it's unattainable. And so we read scriptures like this and we feel discouraged, but maybe God's perspective about prayer is different to our perspective about prayer. And so what is Paul trying to say? And he's my first point, if you're taking notes. Paul is trying to say prayer is, not our, is, is, is our first response. It's not our last resort. Prayer is our first response. It's not our last resort. I think for a lot of us, we tend to pray when we've done everything we can do. And I think that's a great posture. I think we've got to be faithful with what is in our hand. We've got to be faithful in what is ahead of us. We've got to be faithful in what we're doing. But at the same time, I find that prayer uh, is sometimes a thing that we sort of relegate at the bottom uh, rack. It's sort of like, I've done this, I've made that phone call, I've texted that person, I've called all my friends, no one's there for me, I try to go to the bank for that, I try to pay for this credit card, I try to get, you know, all sorts of things. And then it's like, oh, maybe, oh, maybe I should try praying. Can I say to you, do everything you need to do. Call those friends, get the help you need. Use what's in your hand. Be faithful with what God has entrusted you. But while you're doing all of that, accommodate prayer. I find that for me, uh, when I wake up in the morning, I've just begun to have the habit where I begin to thank God for the day. I say, God, I surrender this day to you. God, I submit this day to you. God, I lay this day out to you. God, I pray that you would lead me. Lord, I dedicate this day to you. And I think that's what really the invitation of, of prayer is. Now, I want to read a scripture Talking about prayer, and I believe this scripture is so relevant to where we are living today. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13, it says, At times I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls, or command grasshoppers to devour your crops, or send plagues among you. Now that word there in the original is send pestilence. How many of you know that COVID-19 is a pestilence? COVID-19 is a plague. But check out what it says in verse 14. It says, Then if my people who are called by my name 
will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. How many of you reckon we need some restoration? How many of you reckon we need some healing here in Australia, down south in Melbourne, out there in the Middle East, all around the world? We need some healing. I mean, I don't think I need to spend any, any moment trying to convince you this scripture. If there's any time this scripture is relevant, it's right here, right now. And I want to take a moment to urge us as the church that when problems rise up, let's not be people that sit in the back row. Let's not be people that are just chasing after a theory or a conspiracy scenario here and there. Let's be people that will rise up. Let's be people that will take our stand. Let me tell you, when the church stands up, when the church begins to pray, mountains can move. And I believe that God, you know, when I look at what is happening around the world, now is a great time for a move of God. Now is a great time to see a revival. Now is a great time to see a stirring in the spirit. There are so many out there that are being negative about the season, but when you look at history, you always see that before there was a move of God, there was an attack of this nature. There was some sort of crazy thing that happened. And I'm so excited that I'm living in this era. I'm so excited that I'm living in this day and age because I, I believe we're on the brink of something exciting. So I want to encourage this church. Let Let's stir ourselves up. Let's put on that garment of prayer and say, we're going to pray and stand in the gap for our neighbors. Our neighbors don't know Jesus. Our friends don't know Jesus. Uh, you know, people in our country and our nation don't know Jesus. But we, the church, we know. And when the church comes together, things begin to move in Jesus' name. So prayer is not our last resort, but our first response. Here's my second thought. The close of the relationship the more constant the prayer. The closer the relationship, the more constant the prayer. I, I begin to study scripture. I begin to study about Adam and Samuel and David and Nehemiah and all these guys prayed. But if there's one person that would qualify who should really not pray, how many of you agree that would be Jesus? I mean, Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is God. But if you notice that Jesus would constantly find himself that if there was anyone that would qualify for, for an exemption, if there's anyone that would qualify for an RPL when it comes to prayer, it would be Jesus. I mean, he's sort of praying to himself. Yet we constantly read in scripture that Jesus is constantly praying. Luke chapter 5 verse 16, it says, Yet he frequently withdrew to the wilderness to pray. Luke chapter 6, it says he prayed all night long. This tells me, the closer the relationship, the greater the invitation and the appetite for prayer. So in other words, the closer I'm to God, it does not mean I shouldn't pray. The closer I am to God, the more drawn I am to pray. When I feel close to God, I want to pray. So maybe you might ask the question, how do I learn to pray? The only way you learn to pray is by praying. It's not by, you can read a book. Even as I'm sharing this message, you might feel a bit fired up. That's what I'm hoping, that there is a, there's an impartation of prayer as you're, as, you're, as you're hearing me speak. But at the same time, the only way we can enter a realm of prayer is by praying. In fact, I find the more I position myself to pray, the more I get close to God. And the more I get close to God, the more I want to pray. I'll say that again. The more I position myself to pray, I get close to God. The more I get close to God, the more I 
want to pray. Now, talking about Jesus, uh, I want to point one occurrence in Scripture in the life of Jesus that I've read so many times, I've heard so many times, but I've never seen it the way I've seen it uh, as, as I'm about to share with you today. If you've ever, you know the story of Jesus where Jesus gets baptized. I don't know if you've ever, maybe you've not read the story. Maybe you've seen the book. You know, it doesn't matter which, I mean, seen, seen the movie. It doesn't matter which version of the movie you saw. Remember back in the 80s, they had the, the white head, the, the blonde head, blue eyed, white Jesus. That, let's, let's talk about that movie. You know, the movie where, part where Jesus is about to be baptized. He goes to John the Baptist. Do you know why John the Baptist was called John the Baptist? Because he was Baptist. Yep, so he goes to John the no, he's not, but he goes to John the Baptist, who's his cousin, and John the Baptist is baptizing everybody, and Jesus goes to him, and we have we have this epic moment. We've seen it, we've all watched the movie, we've all read the book, where Jesus comes out of the water, the Bible says the heavens open, and this bird, this this dove, the Holy Spirit, descends on Jesus. It's this epic moment. But I read the scripture the other day, and I was like, that's not exactly what happened. So let's read it. Luke chapter 3, verse 21. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit descended. Wait, we skip that part, don't we? We just think he came out of the water, you know, head and shoulders add, the hair's moving, the bird's coming. No, no, no. It says he came out of the water and then he started praying. I wonder if it was his prayer that caused heaven to open. I wonder if it, was, if, if, if it was his prayer that caused the Holy Spirit to descend. I wonder what would it be like if you and I, the body of Christ, if we would pray, if the heavens would open over our city, if the heavens would open over our nations, if the heavens would open over our families, and if the Spirit of God would descend in such a powerful way. I've come to realize that the closer the relationship, the more constant the prayer. Number three, it's not about answers, it's about affection. It's not prayer, it's not about answers, it's about affection. Genesis chapter three. Now, if you know the story, the Genesis story, the Genesis story in the Bible is where God creates man, Adam and Eve, and he puts them in this beautiful garden. And, and, and I want to read Genesis chapter three, verse eight. It says, and they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. They heard the sound. I read this and I begin to think they heard the sound. I want you to talk. This was the prayer life of Adam. We're studying the prayer life of Adam. They heard the sound of the Lord walking. Another translation says they heard the voice of the Lord walking. The voice, how can, how can somebody's voice walk? But we can take a few things from here. The first thing you notice is it does not say that they heard the sound of God and he was hurrying. It does not say that they heard the sound of God and he was running. And I think a lot of times the reason why we struggle to hear and the reason why we struggle to pray is because we are in so much hurry to get a task done. We are, we are in such a big pace because I got to do this and I got to do that. But if you notice, they heard the sound of God walking. That tells me step by step, grace upon grace, glory to glory. There's this, in, there's, an, there's this indication in scripture that God wants to take us on a journey. But then I begin to think about Adam and Eve. I don't know if you know this, but Adam and Eve did not need to pray. I mean, in this portion of scripture, they had no kids, which means they had no problems. 
Uh, you know, they did not need a home. They had planet Earth as their home. They did, not need, they did not need to be praying for jobs because they had all the jobs on the planet. They did not need to pray for finances because they had all the resources they needed. So they, there was literally no need for Adam to pray. There was literally no need for Eve to pray, but yet they had this intimacy with God. And that's the problem. So many times we run to God only when we have a problem. In fact, I know some people, I know where their prayer life is at based on the problem they're facing. So whenever I meet some people and they're really spiritual, I'm like, okay, what's wrong? Okay, that bill, okay, that, that, okay. And when I find them, they're sort of cruising in life. It's sort of like, because there is no problem. And I wonder if maybe that's why God cannot ever trust you without a problem. It, it almost feels like God can only have your attention when you have a problem. And, and I'm not saying that God has put us in a problem because of that. But I think if we can graduate beyond our problem, if we can go to a place where we are pursuers of God's presence, how deep and intimate it is. It's not about answers. It's about affection. And friend, let me tell you, when you begin to draw your affection towards God, when you begin to worship Him in spirit and in truth, prayer is no more a chore. And literally, you can reach a place in God where you will begin to pray without ceasing and you won't even know that you're doing that. One of the greatest ways, obviously, to access this spirit of prayer is by receiving Jesus. And, and, and I want to encourage you today to, to do that. But before we go there, I want to take a moment right now to pray for you, to pray for our church family, to pray for us across as we are part of this series. I'm praying that this would not just be a series where, where we are just studying about prayer, but this would literally be a series where you're going, I want that spirit of prayer of my life. So why don't we pray? Father, I pray for your church. I pray for your people. I pray in the name of Jesus. I thank you, God, that there is no distance in your kingdom. And right here, right now, I pray for a fresh anointing over your church, over every person, at every service, at every meeting. I pray right now that there would be a download of prayer. Even right now, as you're watching, if you're able to, I want you to start praying in the spirit. I want you to stir up that inner language. I want you to stir up that inner, inner spirit that lives inside of you, the same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead. Lord, right now, we, we pray together. We believe together. We pray that there will be an urgency within us as we see the things around us. Let us respond not in fear, but let us respond in faith. Let us not respond in sorrow, but as let us respond in prayer. And Lord, I pray right now that over this month, that there will be such a fresh anointing, that spirit of prayer over our house, over our church, over our family. And we give you all the glory in your name. We pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.